One. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Hardware Podcast. I'm Jackson Danner with my good friend Omar. We're going to be talking over the Walter Payton Award, Buck Buchanan. We're going to have the first, for the first time this year, we're going to talk about kickers and uh, and some games to watch this weekend. Yeah, pretty excited. It was a wild weekend uh, in FCS, namely the OVC, as they had, I think, a quadruple overtime game with Austin P. And um, of course, our, our kicker that we're going to mention later on, Antonio Zita, man of the week, man of the hour. And uh, and I'm kind of tipping my hat to what we're going to talk about in the Buck Buchanan portion of the show. But uh, we got two big man touchdowns this week on the defensive line, too. So <laughs> we're going to be talking over that. But first, the Walter Payton Award. And uh, I'll go ahead and and I think we're going to this is a consensus number one guy, Eric Schmidt. Uh, the quarterback from Sam Houston State, 71 to 17 win versus Nichols, who had put up similar victory numbers uh, earlier in the year. 366 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. He threw 21 for 32. He's only two games in, but he's already at six yards short of 800 yards and eight touchdowns. And I think the front runner for the Walter Payton. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Um, they only have two games. They had a game postponed. Um, Schmidt's my first guy, too. He's a threat on the ground as well as, as the passing numbers. Averaging seven yards a carry with 92 yards and a small sample size. But really, that um, that matchup against Nichols State, I think, put him in the front running because Nichols State was the hype of the Southland and maybe the FCS uh, in the first couple of weeks. I know I know we like Nichols a lot, but they they didn't only go pound for pound. They dismantled them. At least on this podcast, they were the yeah. most <laughs> team. Uh, yeah, they just dismantled them, like you said. And it just, I mean, it was brutal. Um, yeah, it was rough. I had to turn it off. I ended up watching other games. I was hoping Nichols could pull it off, but no. I was like, man, this is going to be a great comeback. You know, no, it was not. So um, who, who you got for uh, another, maybe not the front runner, but another guy we need to start looking at. Yeah. So, I mean, we both agreed on Schmidt. I'm going to go with another Eric who plays quarterback. And I think we agree on this guy too, but Eric uh, Barrier or Barrier, who has, uh, he has over 1,400 yards, I believe. Oh no, 1,200 yards, but averaging 400 yards a game in Eastern Washington, that system has produced Cooper Cup, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell for uh, UCFL fans. And he has 10 touchdowns in the air. Only that one loss against Idaho, but even then he was lights out with 339 yards. And again, the big sky is looks like it's Eastern Washington or um, Weber States. That should be a huge showdown later on in the year when that one happens. And he's doing it at a 61% completion rate, which is pretty impressive for how much he's throwing the ball. Um, and I know the four interceptions, but... Uh, I mean, so far it hasn't really made an impact. He did have, I think it was two interceptions in this past game and one in the each. So as long as he doesn't, as long as he can bring that down to one, hopefully uh, zero interceptions a game. Yeah, Barrier is, uh, our, I don't know how to say his name quite, but um, uh, Eric Barrier, uh, yeah, he, he can definitely be not the front runner, but definitely a, a second place and a guy we're definitely talking about for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'd say it just depends on that Weber State game. Like, if they can beat Weber State, who's number two in FCS, is 2-0, and had a great win against Idaho State, but stumbled a bit this past weekend against a scrappy UC Davis team. Uh, so they look kind of vulnerable. Uh, I think it all depends on that, really, for um, Barrier versus Schmid for uh, the Walter Payton. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, another guy moving into our next guy, um, someone I wanted to bring up that we haven't talked about on the podcast so far this year, uh, a running back, which typically this is a quarterback award, but Julius Chestnut, a running back from Sacred Heart. Uh, in his last game, he had 23 carries, 203 yards, four touchdowns, and about 46 reception yards. He's only two games in, which is probably why we haven't talked about him. Uh, two games played, 46 carries, 371 yards, uh, and eight touchdowns. No fumbles, right below six yards a carry. If he keeps this up for the rest of the year, then we're, we're definitely talking about him. So he's two games in. Not enough of a sample size, but definitely someone I think should be on the radar. And I, I agree to an extent there, Jackson. Um, those are amazing numbers out there at Sacred Heart and Fairfield. He's in that nice New York City market playing on Sundays out there in Fairfield. But um, the thing is, it's like the scheduling, there's hurdles with um, conferences like the NEC, the Northeast Conference, or the Patriot League with Holy Cross and, and whatnot, um, where they're playing like very abbreviated schedules. Like the NEC's got a four-game schedule and a conference championship game, which it looks like there, the NEC's, you typically got like a lot of parity. Um, looks like that's the case this year in the short season with Sacred Heart being the front runner and Central Connecticut State last year's champion not playing. So I think that's a hurdle. Maybe we can see a Jarrett Patterson effect. He keeps it going and has like a 300 400 yard game that really astonishes everyone. Um, but I think um, it's good to go with the running back. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go with Otis Wea, a guy whose workload isn't it, it isn't heavy, but um, metrics guys, I, I think I think they love him because he's extra efficient running the ball. He's averaging 110 yards um, a game of total offense or 100 total yards a game of rushing, running the ball, 441 yards on only 63 carries, averaging seven, seven yards a clip, but he's averaging only about 16 carries a game on a North Dakota team, more importantly, that is number that is in the top five and has really ran through the MVFC in their first year. So I think Otis Weah is another running back to look at for this award. You know, he's not necessarily having the production of a running back winning the Buck Buchanan, or excuse me, the Walter Payton. But, um, you know, being on a, a school like North Dakota where you're getting not necessarily more airtime, but you're getting paid more attention to if you're a casual FCS follower, you're going to be you're more likely watching North Dakota than Sacred Heart or uh, Rhode Island, who a guy I'm about to talk to there. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think he should. Um, Way has had a great year so far and hopefully he can keep that up and even improve his numbers just a little bit more to be a serious contender. Um, another guy that uh, I'm not saying that he should necessarily even be on the radar. We should, we're going to be talking about him every week, but if he keeps up what he had in his debut, we might Kevin Brown jr. Running back from Rhode Island and a 40 37 win versus Villanova. He had 20 carries, 141 yards and four touchdowns. That was Rhode Island's debut game. But, uh, I mean, we just said the same thing about Jarrett Patterson, when, like you just mentioned, when he had uh, his phenomenal year last year. So, something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Brown just kind of toned it down a bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, he had an impressive game. I, I thought we should at least mention him. Uh, for Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, the CAA looks kind of open, uh, a lot like the NVFC. It's always those two corpses, as we mentioned before. With Villanova ranked in the top ten, losing in their for, in their second game, and James Madison looking a bit vulnerable in um, their last two games, and I think their game got postponed against Richmond this week this weekend. But um, 
yeah, the CA looks open, more open than normal. So maybe a team like Rhode Island. Uh, Delaware looks like a front runner there. Delaware has been dominant against two solid teams, Stony Brook and Maine in the first game. I think they played Maine. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see the CAA. Definitely um, a conference to look at. I think I'm going to go with another running back, someone that uh, we mentioned, or you mentioned at least, you brought to my attention last week, Brian Sneed. Uh, just really putting up really good numbers out there in, uh, in uh, Clarksville, Tennessee for Austin P. But kind of toned it down this past week with the 138 against Southeast Missouri. Had, two, had a 227-yard game, uh, excuse me, the week before against Tennessee State. Four touchdowns, 522 yards. He played a bit in the fall, had three fall games, so averaging about 90 yards a game. But if he just keeps it up, this guy is getting a good workload, unlike a guy like Otis Boya getting only like 16 16 carries per game. He's right here. He's got 23 and 25 his last two games. So definitely a guy to look out for. Um, the one hurdle is Austin P is not looking like a playoff contender at the moment as they started off their fall, their combined fall and spring season at 0-4. So uh, might be a hurdle there for Snead, but great year nonetheless. And I think um, just the workload he gets put um, puts him in a position as a running back for uh, the Walter Payton Award. Yeah, um, he, he has a, a better workload than some of the guys we talked about. And, um, I mean, his last game versus Tennessee State, he had so much production for over 220 yards and three touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy that we can continue to look at. Now, if he has one more bad game, I don't know that we talk about him again. Um, but, you know, if he can play like he did against Tennessee State, yeah, I mean, why not? He, he's having a great year. Um, I think that was that was all of our Walter Payton Award guys. But one guy I wanted to mention that I was very disappointed in this week, Mark Gronowski, a guy we talked about last week, the quarterback for South Dakota State, 12 for 28, two touchdowns, one interception, and only 158 yards coming out of a four-touchdown performance. Um, I mean, they ended up winning, but it was despite Gronowski's play. It was not – he did not have a good game at all. And uh, I, I, I kind of took him off my list for the Walter Payton just following that because he just had a terrible game. Um, and I, I hope he ends up doing better, but just 12 for 28 just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and that's one thing you can count on the MVFC, just tough defense. Uh, you know, whether it's North Dakota State, Southern Illinois, Youngstown State has been uh, putting up some tough defensive uh, outings. Their offense hasn't been too hot, but – it's just tough. It's a mixed bag each week, which uh, might be a hurdle for Otis Weah. And it's been a hurdle, too, for Tommy Schuster, a guy that we mentioned early on uh, as sort of like the face of that North Dakota, North Dakota, excuse me, North Dakota team. Um, but his numbers haven't been great. Uh, and I think that's just because of the defenses out in the MVFC. One more guy that I wanted to talk about before. Uh, sorry about that, Jackson. But uh, Ty King out of Sanford, uh, a wide receiver. I think if there's a wide receiver you want to keep your eye on, it's going to be him because he returns kicks. He catches the ball at a great clip. He had four catches for 115 against Furman. Uh, this past week against Wofford, seven catches for 178 in an upset victory over the Terriers. Uh, and 408 yards returning the ball on kicks, over 20 yards a return. And this is a Sanford program that produced everyone's favorite backup quarterback, D Devlin Duck Hodges. So they, they, um, they're on the radar. And this week, their big game, which we'll talk about later on against VMI. Um, but yeah. Sorry, Jackson. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, I think, yeah, like we had mentioned, I think on last week's podcast, if a receiver is going to win, it's probably going to have to take more than just uh, receiving. You're going to have to make an impact on special teams, uh, even 
running the ball, something like that to kind of get on the radar because this is not a wide receiver award. Now wide receivers have won it, but it's just the exception. Uh, it goes to a quarterback unless someone stands out. So uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the Buck Buchanan Award. Um, Omar, do you want to go ahead and go first on this one? Yeah, sure. I'm not sure if this is a guy that's um, your front runner, but my front runner for sure. I have trumpeted the um, the praises of the VMI Kedets defense. Surprising, uh, given that I go to West Point. Um, but he, uh, Connor Riddle, eight tackles for loss in three games for this really emerging uh, VMI team looking for their first winning season since 81. I feel like if you had a dollar every time I mentioned that stat, uh, you'd be able to buy yourself a nice combo meal from Wendy, a nice four for four or two. But 28 total tackles, and you can even go with his uh, – his partner in crime, Stone Snyder, at four sacks, 27 tackles. But that VMI defense has looked impeccable, granted against weaker competition, but it's been one of the best stories in uh, this early spring FCS season. I mean, they have, um, they have through a few games, they have guys that have had at least one sack a game, and it's impressive. It's kind of like a, a – there's no clear leader, in my opinion, when you look at the stat sheet for VMI, but it's kind of like that Dolphins no-name defense where it's, like, really good. But there's, like, not one, like, elite player on there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they need to keep doing what they're doing. And um, I'm not sure if VMI schedule, but I, if I remember, they had, like, a couple tests left on the schedule um, uh, to see, you know, because they're, they're going to face some better offenses throughout the year. Um, but yeah, I'm in, I'm excited to see what they can do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not I'm not sure if that was your guy, Jackson. Um, oh, I, it was it was not. I have uh, I have Jamani Crane, a defensive lineman from Jackson State. Uh, he had three solo, one sack, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, a touchdown, and one Dion dance. And their win last Sunday versus Mississippi Valley State. Now, I think we've all seen the highlight of um, of Crane, you know, dancing into the end zone and Deion Sanders, you know, hyping him up and all that. But uh, I want to mention him because he is the only player on Jackson State defense to register a tackle for loss in every game he's played. So he has had a good year. Um, he's the leader of the team in TFLs, if you didn't figure that out from that stat. Um, and I think if he continues to have a great year, I mean, this is a front seven award. So it's something that we can definitely, uh, definitely maybe see him compete for. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was unable to watch the ESPN outing of um, Mississippi Valley State, Jackson State. Uh, they, they gave us some extra privileges here for once. They threw us a bone. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, for sure. Anytime a big man scores a touchdown, it's sort of like that Tyron Matthew effect where you make big plays on defense, like high impact plays, uh, not just loading the stat sheet. Like, I mean, you're, you're in the front running, I'd say, for the Buck Buchanan, I'd agree. Uh, my, my next guy, uh, I had Jackson Hankey just on just out of North Dakota State, just had a sheer amount of tackles, 43 tackles in four games. Uh, heart and soul of the defense, arguably a guy that's just all over the field. And when you, when you think front seven, you always think about like pass rushers and you always think about ball hawking linebacker, maybe not ball hawking, but as linebackers that are around the field the whole time. And North Dakota State's very much still in the MVFC race. And they are, of course, the biggest brand name for sure still. I mean, North Dakota may be the, may be the best team at the moment, but they are the biggest brand name, which could help a little bit in the Buck Buchanan race for Hankey. 
Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I, I think we kind of need to do some more research on how these awards are voted on. But um, if it's anything like the Heisman and the FBS level awards, then they're very casual watchers. So <laughs> if you're from one of those names, big name schools like NDSU, it certainly helps. Um, uh, my next guy is another guy from Sam Houston State. He's not the front runner for the Buck Buchanan, in my opinion, but he, uh, we could have a double Sam Houston State uh, winner, Jahari K, a defensive lineman, again in that 71-17 win versus Nichols. He had five tackles, two and a half TFLs, two forced fumbles, and a pick six. So he had a phenomenal game as a defensive lineman. Now, he's only played two games, but he does have three and a half TFLs, uh, the four, two forced fumbles, the interception, and two quarterback hurries. So nothing too special in the first game, but a monster game versus Nichols. I think it definitely puts him on the radar considering he did that against such a potent offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, extra points like that. And, like, it wasn't a shootout. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bearcats of Sam Houston scored 71, but they held Nichols to 17 and poor Lindsey Scott. Um, you know, whether you like it or not, Jackson, uh, because of the name – um, he was shut down and he was corralled. So I, I say extra points for that. And, you know, if they continue, I mean, for sure. You know what? We're I, we're going to go off topic for a second. But Lindsey Scott, um, do we think he's still in it for the Walter Payton Award? Or does I'd this... say maybe. Um, if yeah. it was a shootout and, like, it, it's the thing. Like, if it was a shootout and he, like, narrowly lost, like, the game, then, yeah, like, he went, you know, throw for throw with Eric Schmidt, yes, but – they just got boat raced. Statistically, through four games, though, he is a top three quarterback in the FCS. So if he continues to have kind of what he did, uh, or at least some semblance of it uh, through his last few games, then we could definitely, I think he could still be in the race because I know it was, yes, it was a terrible game, but he still is statistically one of the best. So. I think it's certainly possible. They just have to – they can't lose like that again. If they lose anything more than 20, 30 points, there's no chance. Um, but I think he's still in it. I think maybe we could forget this one if um, if he goes on. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, I think, like, kind of, this kind of reminds me of 2012 Geno Smith where he had a phenomenal first month. Uh, him and Tavon Austin, um, Stedman Bailey too. But – once they got blown out by Texas Tech, the seat they went into free fall, and like it didn't matter how great Geno Smith's stats were, like that was like the lasting memory in our head. I feel like that'll just be like the lasting memory in our head. Seventy-one, seventeen. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. We'll see for sure. Um, I guess I guess uh, a segue to uh, my next guy. I'm gonna show some defensive back love uh, out of Furman, the Paladins out there. I'm Is it go curse? um not yeah it is curse is that is that your oh guy? nice yeah that was my guy okay well also, i had another db then I'll, I'll <laughs> oh no 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 curse. go ahead curse i've got another guy that's actually like one step ahead of him in my opinion so go ahead uh, okay okay talk yeah, about my I'm, man darius i'm gonna go darius curse because he has three picks three pass breakups and 19 tackles uh, on the year for the paladins and um we last week we talked about the kobe durant and while the South out of South Carolina State, and while the Bulldogs uh, from Orangeburg won their game against Delaware State, Jacoby Durant was kind of a non-factor. Had a TFL. The big stat here is like interceptions and pass breakups, uh, the things you'd expect from DBs. And Curse has it, and he'll be in some pretty significant games coming up. Uh, whether it's uh, VMI 
uh, coming up. I mean, that's that's the one looming on everyone's mind. And I'll have to check more, but I'm not sure if they played Chattanooga yet. But Chattanooga is another contender. They're ranked in the top 25, and they nearly beat a, a Lending Tree Bowl participant, Western Kentucky, in the fall. So uh, just, just uh, I think Curse is a guy to look out for if there's going to be a D back in the thick of it. Yeah, absolutely. Curse has played really well. Like I said, I was I was going to mention him uh, as well, just because he's he's had a great game and he's making a difference. He does have that uh, TFL, so he's making a difference in the backfield too. I think he's certainly. I mean, he's put up an interception in each of his last three games, so it's certainly something that he could he could win um, if he keeps that up. Um, my guy that I was I was going to go with Curse was if you took this guy. Uh, for me, Jack McDonald, the linebacker out of Austin P, uh, 13 total tackles, four solo, uh, four solos and one and a half TFLs. Um, not a phenomenal game, but in three games played, he has 10 plus tackles per game, six and a half TFLs, two and a half sacks. He's just off to a great yard. The reserve tight end and special teamer last year is just like balling out this year. And uh, if he can keep that up, being a front seven guy, he's definitely got a head start on winning this thing, possibly. Yeah, I mean, totally again. Like, it seems like we're just wearing out the front seven. But, like, when we say it's a front seven award, like, we actually mean you know, only one winner in the past, and that was back in 03. Um, and that guy ended up playing in the NFL for a few years, Rashawn Mathis. Rashawn <laughs> so, Mathis. Uh, for, like, and like, for 12 years. Like, he was very good. So <laughs> it's going to take that kind of guy to, to win – for a DB to win it, in my opinion. Yeah, and when we see, like, that kind of guy, like, that's, like, the type of guy. I'm pretty sure he's one of those guys that is the guy that you call back, that franchises call back so they can retire with them. They can sign, we can sign one last contract and retire with them. So that seems to be a new standard of greatness. He was uh, with Jacksonville Mathis. for a decade, so. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. blame them. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame them. Um, I think my next guy for sure on defense is Mar is Mario Hunter. I'm sorry, jeez, uh, I can't read my own handwriting. Sorry, Nicario Hunter out of uh, Jacksonville State, and this is a sneaky good Jacksonville State team if you can say that because they played in the fall, so their record six and one. They went three and one in the fall, and this was a Jacksonville State team that almost beat Florida State. Uh, they were up 21-7 on the Seminoles on the road. Um, you know, something that, that we like that Jackson at least likes to joke about, uh, the state of Florida State football. But the, he's got he's got 50 tackles on the year in seven games. And surely the stats stack up because he's played more. So maybe that's something that Buck Buchanan, um, that Buck Buchanan voters take into account. And not to mention, too, this Jacksonville State team beat Florida International uh, in the fall as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. He's off to a great year. And uh, Jacksonville State has played guy. I think we'll always remember them as beating Old Miss in the early 2010s. But, um, yeah, he's he's off to a great year. And I'm, I'm excited to see what Jacksonville State, if they can make some noise maybe in the in the playoffs too. Um, I, I just looked it up. So Darius Curse, actually, because I noticed he had 19 tackles. Um, that's second on the Furman team. And first is 28. But um, and that's going to be a, a linebacker for you, an inside linebacker, uh, Nick Kuezmaka, if I'm saying that right. But um, yeah, curse is just. I think anytime you can make a difference of tackling too, not just making those interceptions, getting those forced fumbles, you know, a couple TFLs, then that's something that can definitely catch your eye. And he's he's a physical back if he's you know a corner and second on the team in tackles. 
Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I'm not sure if you have any more guys, Jackson. Uh, I got I got one more guy that's kind of like a sleeper, but if it, I'll let you. Um, not from this guy. week. I, okay. I have some more guys, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, one more guy of the season that I'm liking. Another D back just to look out for. Um, James Caesar out of SIU, the Salukis, four and one in the polls. He's got eight pass breakups. The tackle stats aren't great, but the eight pass breakups are great. And I know it's not a sexy stat. And this is coming from like high school experience. I mean, like just playing football. No one likes pass, no one likes pass bat downs. You know, they I I mean, that's why that's why they have the adage that D-backs are our only wide receivers that can't catch. And you know, it's true to some degree. Maybe it's the case for Caesar, but that impact eight pass breakups in four games, you, you just can't deny that, really. I mean, you, you can't. I mean, you can make the argument that you're he's just doing his job, but at the same point, like, why doesn't everyone have eight pass breakups at that point? Um, he's doing good. And, I mean, if we're going to mention QB hurries, then we should talk about pass breakups. So, uh, yeah, he's he's done a good job. And, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely something we can keep an eye on. You said he went to SIU. Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah, Southern Illinois. Okay, okay. Yeah. So one of the more interesting schools for this year, for sure. Um, yeah, but kind of moving on. Do you want to go go ahead and go to a couple of these talking points we have for this uh, for this past week? Yeah, let's do it. On yeah. Um. So I think we. If you watch the game, Jackson State was probably one of the more prominent ones being on ESPN2 and all the Instagram highlights and all that. Um, I, I think so. Jackson State wouldn't actually be able to go to the FCS playoffs. And I'll let Omar explain that because he's our resident uh, HBCU expert here. Yeah, I'd say resident. There are certainly a lot more people that know a lot more about HBCU football than I do. Um but I am not one of them, so I'll let you explain <laughs> this. <laughs> but really, um, traditionally, for those of you on opening bowl Saturday, really one of the one of my favorite days of the year, uh, who have noticed preempting the Las Vegas Bowl since 2015 on ABC at the Celebration Bowl, which was the bowl game between the SWAC championships or SWAC champions, excuse me, the SWAC champion and the MEAC champion, um, which for the HBCU national title. That's not happening this spring, but that is traditionally the reason why the MIAC and the SWAC do not participate normally in the FCS playoffs. Uh, and I, I know you're, I, I know you're wondering, like, okay, so why aren't the MIAC and the SWAC in the playoffs this uh, spring season if there is no celebration bowl? Well, on the MIAC's part, they shut down their conference season because more than half their teams uh, decided not to play. The only teams playing MIAC football are Delaware State, South Carolina State, and Howard, the Bison. Um, so the Miak's technically not going to have a champion. The SWAC, on the other hand, they still have their conference championship game because that gets televised every year on ESPNU. So there's television money involved. There's linear television money involved. And by linear, uh, for, for our television women out there, it's just like your traditional channels over the, like, you know, clicker and not really like, you know, um, ESPN3, uh, who else? ESPN+. Plus. Um, so that's pretty much the reason why. It's all about money and for sure, the appetite and the tradition. I think I sent Jackson some tweets about um, the tradition, the NFL tradition, and the legacy of a lot of HBCUs stack up with group of five schools, even some power five schools in terms of the legends that have come here. We're talking Ken Riley, who needs to be in the Hall of Fame with over the over 60 career picks for the Bengals, quarterback at Florida AM, Walter Payton, you know, Doug Williams. The list goes on. That's just a few. But um, that's a little primer on, like, for those of you wondering that, yes, Jackson State's ranked, but uh, why aren't they going to be in the playoffs? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that's that's worth it to keep that tradition, to keep that. Because, um, yeah, it would be a – unless Jackson State, like, won the championship or something, it wouldn't be worth it um, for them to miss out on that conference championship game. So enjoy your Jackson State football. Enjoy watching Dion with his upward – our upside-down backwards visor <laughs> and that gator just clapping and dancing on the sideline. But um, they're, they're not going to go to the FCS playoffs. And we're not going to see them in Frisco this April. Um, so just know that and still tune in on ESPNU when that, when that championship game is. So um, our, our next point is uh, a kicker, as promised, uh, specifically from Tennessee State. Antonio Zita uh, kicked a 62, essentially game-winning field goal. Uh, to be Eastern Illinois 21-20. With four minutes left, he kicked it, and each team did kick another field goal after that. But, I mean, if they didn't make that, they didn't win the game. So, Yeah, like an absolute rocket. Like uh, just you think about everything involved, mid-March uh, in Tennessee, it's not the warmest environment, not the best air. And he, he kicks an absolute rocket. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, I get chills thinking. I, I love long field goals as a special teams guy. Uh, you know, this, this just gets me going. I, I mean, I have nothing else really to add, but just an amazing kick and um, really shows you why you should be watching this spring season. And uh, the best part of it is that he entered the transfer portal um, a week before Sunday, if I remember right. And then he said after the game, this is a sign. I'm staying right here in Tennessee State. So he pulls out of the transfer portal and just a really feel-good story. So I'm, I'm glad he's coming back to TSU. And, uh, I mean, he said in pregame that there was a lot of wind more than usual, but I don't care. 62 yards is impressive. I don't care how much wind there is. Yeah, I mean, in the words of Elton John, Rocket Man. <laughs> it's absolutely kicked a rocket. Uh, a big-time field goal. And uh, you know what? I don't think we're going to have Tennessee State football uh, talking about them too much again. But what are some games you're looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, so I'll save the bias um, with my Patriot League bias since uh, my second favorite conference since Ivy League's uh, not in session. Holy Cross did win their first game as defending Patriot League champs. They're not playing this week because Fordham has some COVID-19 protocols. So it's a shame that the – World, worldwide renowned Ram Crusader Cup will not be played. And that's a rivalry that's been played in Limerick, Ireland and Yankee Stadium and historic and venerable fit and field, a place I've been as a kid. So I'm saddened about that. But there are games to watch in the noon slot. Uh, starting off at noon, I'm going to have to go with, there's a lot of um, MVFC football. It's like, it's, like, it's like big noon kickoff with MVFC this spring. It's kind of It's kind of funny. Um, I'm going to go with a non-conference class, something you don't really see in the one o'clock spot. Um, Dixie State and Kennesaw State. And Kennesaw State has that great triple option offense. And they're a contender in the Big South. I mean, they're the front runner in the Big South. Monmouth, I don't think Monmouth, uh, who also made the playoffs, I don't think they've played a single game. Um, but it'll be inter interesting to see as um, Dixie State's still trying to find their way. They got blown out at home against uh, Charlton State. This will really be their coming out party, like the excuse me, the first big FCS power they've played. So we'll see how they stack up at one o'clock on ESPN plus. Yeah. Um, that, that's a great game. I think uh, since you mentioned the MVSC, I think the most obvious one is um, going to be North Dakota versus North Dakota state. A lot at stake. Um, North Dakota state wins this. They probably end up winning the MVFC. North Dakota wins this. They are like locked in essentially. 
Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting game. Um, and it's, it's going to be three 30 Eastern time on ESPN plus first versus second in the NBFC. I mean, I'm excited to watch that one. Two powerhouses. Yeah. The battle for the Buffalo nickel, a truly historic rivalry that's been interrupted from time to time with conference to line, but it's great to have these foes in the same conference again. Um, too many. We've lost too many rivalries to conference realignment. Uh, Jackson, can you guess what, what next game I'm going to mention as another must-watch in the early TV slot? In the early TV slot? Um, yeah, in the early afternoon slot. When does it be on my play? Yeah, <laughs> 1 o'clock. 1 p.m. against Sanford, and this is a Sanford team that puts up points. Like, this is absolutely uh, VMI's first test. They beat Western Carolina. They beat Furman. Furman's 3-1, and one, and that was, I mean – Maybe VMI's real just based on that Furman win, but uh, Sanford puts up points. They put up 55 against Western Carolina, uh, four, 37 against Furman, who has a solid defense, and 37 against Wofford, a traditional power in the SoCon. So that defense will be tested. Uh, we'll, we, we'll finally see if uh, maybe Richie uh, – sorry, not Richie, Reese Udinsky. Reese Udinsky can um, go throw for throw with another quarterback if he has to, which I don't doubt he can since he's transferring to Maryland uh, in the fall. So we'll have to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, came off from uh, they went from a fifty-five point win to a, a forty-four thirty-seven loss in overtime to a six-point win last week. I'm excited to see what um, I'm excited to see what Sanford can do. More importantly, I'm excited to see what VMI can do as a defense and see if they can they can keep them to uh, seventeen points or less would be the record for this year. Yeah, um, and then. I don't know if you have another game to watch, Jackson, um, before I go on to my next one. I do. I have a, I have a couple more. Um, this one I don't really need to explain too much. SDSU in Southern Illinois. SDSU is 3-1. and one. Southern Illinois is 4-1. and one. Third versus fourth in the MVFC. So I'm, I guess I'm just a big MBS, MVFC fan today. That's going to be one Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. The only one that was really off the radar that I wanted to mention was Southeast Louisiana at Incarnate Word. Um, Southeastern Louisiana, their only loss is by five points to Sam Houston State. We saw what they did last weekend. Incarnate Word, two straight victories of 20-plus points. So I'm excited to see what they can both do. Uh, that's going to be 3 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, great games. I mean, if you want to see the points, uh, go to the go to the Southland for sure. It must be, especially those, uh, excuse me, those new WAC teams. Um, that'll be going, they must be carrying on the tradition of whack, of whack, uh, waction. Uh, I'm going to old habits die hard for me in my next game. I'm going to go back to the Patriot league and <laughs> I'm going to go Lafayette Bucknell, uh, Bucknell. This is a, a program that I have a lot of high hopes in, despite being a Holy Cross fan, because if Holy Cross doesn't win the Patriot league, I'd be happy if Bucknell did as Bucknell has not been to the postseason since the 1935 orange bowl, a victory over the Miami hurricanes. And that, how cool would that be for his postseason appearance? And also on, on the other podcast with Marshall, I have said that it would be a sign that I am finally due for a girlfriend. So we'll see if uh, <laughs> if my hope, if my fortunes will be good come that game. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> not not so fast, my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, another one that I wanted to mention, if you're curious about, if you're like me and you're curious about Nichols State, um, they've got a bye week this week. They're going to face Incarnate Word um saturday march 27th so we're gonna have to wait a little bit to see how they bounce back um but you know maybe maybe it'll give them a chance to kind of regroup and uh and hopefully get another w 
if you're curious, because I know this has been a problem for me, um, and this isn't like a, a ad or anything, but if you're looking for an app to find a good place, like to see the scores, because the ESPN app is terrible about that. Um, there's an app literally called the score and just sort it by FCS football. And they go by, I think it's like week 27 at this point or something like that. Um, just because of the fall, fall season. And, um, yeah, and it's like a great place to actually like see the scores in one spot because ESPN's done a terrible job. Whenever I click on like whenever I search college football scores today, I don't want to see like it for August of this year. Like I'm not interested in that. And you know, sometimes we want to watch something other than Clemson. So um, that that's just a great app I found to to see all the scores for the FCS action. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I like I love the ESPN app. Otherwise, but I I might check out the score because it gets annoying having to scroll through and actually choose FCS football for scores. It's, I'm disappointed in ESPN, but I'm not surprised. I mean, ESPN no. loves their brands. I'm not no. surprised at all. Yeah, so, they, they um, sure do love yeah. their brands. That's for it sure. is what it is. Um, so I think my my last game that I'm gonna choose. Uh, out of the Pioneer Football League, and that's a non-scholarship program, a non-scholarship conference of a bunch of basketball schools, which includes San Diego, who plays basketball in the West Coast Conference, well, Olympic sports, but mostly basketball in the West Coast Conference. Butler in the Big East, who uh, will play this week. Drake, who's in the tourney um, out of the Missouri Valley Conference, which is different than the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Important distinction. You get the idea. A lot of, a lot of basketball schools there, Davidson and the A-10. But this week, San Diego puts their 38-game conference winning streak on the line against the Butler Bulldogs. And Butler hasn't really ever been good uh, in the past 20 years or so or more in football. But this past week, San Diego had trouble in Iowa against Drake as uh, they only beat Drake 13-10. to Their offense struggled at times. They had three turnovers. Uh, and they let Drake stay around despite Drake only having 25 yards of offense. Drake scored 10 points. That is impressive. I, I'm so impressed with that. Like, that, that hat. I'm impressed with that defense. I'm impressed with everything. Like, my mind's blown. That is uh, what you call a solid defensive performance. That's insane. Was it a lot of turnovers, I'm guessing? or Yeah, so so San Diego threw a pick, and Drake had a 22-yard drive uh, early on in the game to score a touchdown. They had they only had three total yards the rest of the game, which is it, it's crazy. That's like uh, it's like whenever I'd send you the screenshots to um, my, my NCAA football 2000 escapades, <laughs> trying to run the option stubbornly and like be winning a game 3-0 with like 30 yards of offense. I mean, you've won games like six to three and stuff like that. So it can be done. Don't yeah. doubt it. Usually, you know, people usually complain Madden's so unrealistic and like video game football is just all scoring points. Omar's the opposite if you haven't watched his Twitch streams, which you're missing out if you haven't. So, I mean, it is defense. So. And, uh, yeah. and when his little brother joins the chat, that makes it all the better. Keep yeah. coming. Please, please don't embolden him, Jackson. Do not that that young that young man needs no emboldening. So <laughs> you should bring him on your staff as like an advisor, and just, <laughs> like if Nick Saban was like a I don't know, uh, he'll just want to throw the ball the whole time. Yeah, that yeah. kid. I, that doesn't yeah, I work. He needs him. to learn. He, he needs to learn the olden days where you run the ball. Yeah, three <laughs> yards in a cloud of dust. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, another exciting week of, of uh, FCS football, too. And, um, really, we had some neutral side action, too, at the lower levels, something that uh, I, I watch rather than FCS football at times. Uh, we had a game at, at Venerable Little Rock Stadium. 
a couple or I guess a quadruple header on Saturday and Sunday at Little at a War, War Memorial Stadium. Some good games on D three. You had the Gulf Coast Challenge at um, historic Lad People Stadium with uh, Savannah State in West Alabama, um, and also too you had a Grambling Prairie View. Uh, in the state pair classic this past weekend, no neutral site action this week, but uh, it's always cool to see a uh, neutral site games get that nice bowl environment in the spring. Um, yeah, but uh, Jackson, and, uh, have any other final remarks? Of course, the people's championship and FCF, we haven't mentioned it, but it's going to oh, be yeah. Glacier Boys and the Wild Aces. Um, tune in on Twitch to that one. For, uh, for the FCS championship. And uh, yeah, we actually got to vote. I don't know if you did, but we voted on what the championship name would be on their website. And it came out to the People's Championship, which I think is awesome because you vote on like literally everything in that app. So yeah, I'm excited to see that. And um, I mean, what else, what better things do you have to do on a Saturday night than to watch FCF football? That's like glorified, five, what is it? Like seven on seven. So yeah. it's awesome. I'm excited to see that. I mean, maybe, maybe to me, I would be saying that, Jackson. I mean, I'm a single man at a military academy, but you, you got a girlfriend, man, and uh, you're not at a military academy. Well, she'll be watching with me. So that, that's obviously. good. That's not goals, really. man. That's goals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I like that'll it. That'll get you a girlfriend that loves FCF. <laughs> I like she, it. I she mean, never listens this far in the podcast, so I can say all this. Oh, that, that's great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I mean, the FCF is really proof that democracy works in the 21st century. I, I, let's um, so I let's say, do, I, uh, I think, uh, I mean, they've got Richard Sherman and all kinds of people working on it. Let's do it. Get them, get them running our government. I will I just will say, I will just say this. I love the FCF and I'll leave it at that for anything. Live stream Twitch Congress and have everyone <laughs> vote that way. 10 times more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I think i think before i say anything gets me in trouble i think this is a good time to, to step yeah. off <laughs> hey we only got off topic once about something that was kind of on topic actually so we can yeah. oh that was great yeah but um yeah unless jackson has anything else to say uh, it's been great Another i'm all great good week. yeah um happy nfl new year today by the way oh yeah it's 4 right. p.m eastern time the new year starts so yeah a lot, a lot get of big out your party hats and your little confetti and some champagne We'll enjoy free agency. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so enjoy that. Enjoy FCF. Enjoy FCS. And until uh, next time, peace, love, and soul, everyone. Go Nichols. <laughs> oh, shoot.